Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Here we are from Detroit, Michigan. This is Michael O'Connor and my co-host Austin Wilson with The Long Run Show. How are you doing today, Austin? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm excited to uh, to talk about China today. Oh, yes. Interesting, uh, interesting episode. Big topic, big country, large population. <laughs> Lots to talk about here. Everything's bigger in Texas, but everything's even bigger than that in China. That's the. But don't the tell takeaway. the Texans. Don't tell the <laughs> any Texans who are listening. It's a joke. Don't worry about it. Just yeah. laugh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, a big topic today: China. I mean, it's so talked about for very good reason. They've experienced just incredible growth in the last decade. Um, even the last few years have been pretty incredible. There's definitely been some mixed signals, especially in, I'd say, in the last year uh, with the government cracking down on individual companies. There was kind of that whole anti-corruption campaign a few years back that caught headlines, but didn't seem to, you know, provide the kind of funky stuff as uh, everything that's been going on recently. At least that's my perspective, but I can't wait to hear your perspective, Austin. Yeah. So China's interesting. China's one of those countries where... um, you didn't, I don't know. I, I, I always thought of China. I, I didn't see it coming, but I, I have the uh, bias of being very young, relatively speaking. So I, I didn't see China really coming until the last maybe four or five years hmm. as as a, a superpower and an economic powerhouse. They obviously have. They have been planning yeah. this economic boom for decades now. The uh, Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, comes out with a, a, a basically an economic plan every, I believe it's every five years. Um, so they they come out with these periodic economic plans of how they're going to grow, what they're doing. They they definitely forecast things through that. Um, but some of their some of the bumps along the 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 way have been, I think, a product of them trying to basically take um, take two different different views of economics and and smash them together kind of the capitalistic western view of using the capital markets to grow businesses and uh, grow wealth for their citizens uh, throughout the country and then combining that with some sort of um, well, obviously, it's in their name, you know, Chinese Communist Party. That some sure. <laughs> some, some sort of you know, it's in the name, communism, socialism, in in some regard, um, to have more of a planned economy. And so, it's interesting to see how that's played out. Um, they obviously have had, like you mentioned, the the uh, corruption, anti-corruption crackdowns a few years ago, and then this year we've had the um, the breakups of their education companies, and then just yeah general regulation scares throughout the year um what's what's interesting is even though they've had these sort of um, regulatory risk scares for investors in the past they seem to rebound uh, which is which is interesting and it speaks to even though they're trying to plan their economy it speaks to their long-term belief in the capital markets and an understanding and an appreciation of the value of uh, capitalism and and uh, competition, which they want competition, but in their own way. <laughs> so it's it's uh, interesting to to see China's growth. And I was just uh, looking at some statistics. 
um, beforehand here, and and they are already slated to pass uh, surpass the U.S. in in terms of world GDP in between sometime between 2026 and 2030. So, wow, within the decade, <laughs> um, they will surpass the the U.S. Wow, in terms of of GDP worldwide. So, their their planning has obviously worked, um, and so they're they're achieving their goals. It's not like they didn't tell us they were, they were planning on this. Um, they're achieving their goals, but really I think the question for investors is, can you, um, can you, or do you want to expose yourself to that regulatory risk and just the political risk as well? Um, that is, that is China. Do you understand it well enough? Is it something you believe is to use the Fed's favorite word, transitory, <laughs> or or oh, is it episode one? A little throwback. Yeah, there. a little throwback there to uh, inflation. But it, do you, do you believe it's transitory? You know, do you think do you think these are just periods where China's going to have some volatility because that's that's how it works over there when they're planning their economy and not just you know having more of a hands off approach like the like the Western style might be. Um, or do you think? This is a sign that the Chinese Communist Party is being a little too heavy-handed, and might might squash um, the the dynamism that could be their large capital markets. Sure, so, yeah. I think there, I think there's probably a you want to look through it from an investing perspective. You want to look through your own lens to inform how you want to approach those uh, those companies, um, but from a from just a headline perspective, it's impressive that uh, that the the country has been able to grow um, their economy so well. I mean, just yeah. just absolutely insane. They're, yeah. they're, they're going to surpass the U.S. within the decade easily um, in, terms of, in terms of GDP. So it's it's just a definitely an underdog story um, of a of a economic rise. Yeah, which is interesting because it it always. Um, what I always immediately think of is, well, it kind of makes sense because they've got more than three times, I believe more than three times the population, somewhere somewhere around about right. three times, maybe a little more. Um, and it's like, oh, it kind of makes sense. But then you look at a country like India, that is a very different story. And not, I mean, India is, has come a long way as well in terms mm. of the last few decades. And definitely um, they're doing quite well as well. But there's a, there's a distinct, there's definitely a difference. Um, and the, the population is not necessarily the only factor. And it's interesting to look at China as a as a case study of of geopolitics and how to grow GDP so fast and how to grow yeah. um, just wealth on an incredible scale while having some really interesting and uh, unfortunate human rights violations and yeah, all sorts obviously. of stuff. And we don't, you know, this isn't a show to get necessarily into the politics of things, but it is important to to take a broad a broad look and a broad context, um, especially. I've talked to some investors who are into ESG, so environmental social governance, and you know they don't want to they don't want to touch China with a ten foot rod because they're you know legitimate concerns over a lot of. I think that part of the problem for investors, especially, is that you never know when China is going to kind of take over a company for for the um, right for the country or when it has to when the when a company is about to go bankrupt and they ask their government to take over pretty much. So it's, there's kind of that weird zone where, you know, you could be invested in a private company in China and there's, there's almost this harbinger of, even if you're not directly 
investing in China's government in any way. There's always, you know, there there are ways that things could be going on in the back end and everything. So it, right. it is it is interesting to lines get blurred maybe a little bit. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It is interesting to talk to ESG focused investors. Um, yeah, there are some real serious concerns for for good reason. Yeah, yeah, and I and I, I that's a kind of an interesting point. You said a, a, a kind of funny phrase to me of investing in the Chinese government, but that's true. I guess if if they take over a a company, I guess the uh, term public company takes on a whole new meaning. <laughs> yeah, at that point. Yeah, yeah. The People's Republic of Alibaba. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> uh, but but it is it is interesting. I think it's it's um we have to realize where our biases lie right because obviously we're coming at it from a western perspective and i'm not making True. a values judgment on that i'm not not saying that's correct or not correct i'm just saying that we're going to look at it through a a western economic lens yeah and we're not necessarily going to um you know look at it through a, a oh well maybe maybe this whole planned capitalism is a good thing Right. So I think automatically you have to kind of take that into account um, as well. But it it is like you said, politics, this isn't a, po- a political show, but politics is is a risk when it comes to investing. Yeah. Right? And so there's trade offs there that you have to balance um, and have to be OK with and and have to be OK with a company who may have to or be forced politically to support um, a, a government that maybe has some some human rights violations or some some issues in it right and so that's um that's also a a kind of added risk on top of just normal regulation or or political risk in a country yeah and the interesting thing to think about too is you know the, the long run show um in the long run you know we we all hope that china as a country we hope that i mean hope that every country in the world continues to grow richer and prospers and better at um, treating their citizens and citizens around the world. So, so it's, it's, I think, I think our show ultimately, I think we're both pretty optimistic. Um, And I think if you're, if you're a human being looking at the long run, generally you do want to be optimistic and you kind of have to be optimistic to, to be able to stomach some of the down, the, the drops that can occur. Um, right. But I think, you know, in the long run, as, as, <laughs> as the show states, I think that, you know, you believe that uh, human beings as a whole are an optimistic and uh, progress oriented people. So I think China's still, I mean, like you said, it's GDP, if it's growing as fast as it is, if it's going to overtake the United States soon, I think the interesting thing is that you'll see a lot of positive growth, uh, interiorly in China, I think you'll have even more advocates for um, freer markets and for more accountability on the global stage coming from inside right. China, trying to improve it from the inside out. Right. Yeah. And that's 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 a good thing to, to highlight as well, because I think that's at this point, geopolitically, that seems to be the only lever that might push reform in China itself. I don't yeah. I don't really see any other country having. Uh, enough influence to to really, including the U.S. to to really make that sort of a change. Um, but yeah, I think my my opinion, my overall kind of premise on China at this point is that it's it's probably. I think these these downturns are probably overstated. Hmm. I think that the regulation risk is there, but that it is overstated by. Western investors and media just because they don't understand that 
um, that China is trying to be a planned economy, and then they're not trying to be a carbon copy of the U.S. economy and the U.S. stock market. That's a really fair point. Um, and so I, I don't necessarily, again, I'm not making a, a values judgment on whether a planned economy is better than just a, a more free market laissez-faire economy. But I do think that's just the reality that China is going after, you know, China is the apple and we're the orange. You can't compare the two, right? Um, so I think that's something that's missed in this whole discussion because oftentimes reporters and journalists will, will just start out with by saying, oh, well, this is this is an overreach or they'll have pundits on, on uh, you know, CNBC or Bloomberg going, well, this, this is really poses inve- a, a risk to investors. And it's like, yes, it does short term for sure. But in the long run, it it may not uh, it, it, it may work itself out as it has been shown to do in the, in the past. Um, and again, this year has been a, a quite the sell off for. Um, for Chinese stocks, but you are seeing people like Kathy Wood, Ray Dalio, some some high profile uh, investors with a lot of money, a lot of institutional funds going back into China because they see long term value. By the dip, yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe by the by the dip, um, but yeah, I mean they they see long term value, and Ray Dalio has always been bullish on China because he's got a ton of connections in China, um, and he he lived over there. His son lived over there for a while, so. It's it makes sense that he's very bullish on China, but that was that was kind of his op-ed on LinkedIn uh, was that this is being misunderstood. Now I I don't again I'm not sure that I am uh, actually I know that I would not prefer a planned planned economy to a more laissez-faire economy. That's just my um, my outlook. However, I setting aside that bias of my my own. I do think that it's it's overstated. So that's kind of my my premise on the whole China and regulation risk and and what we've seen this year as far as a sell off. That's a really good. I like that. <laughs> I like because I, I think it is easy, like you mentioned, to take things from the perspective that we always take things or we're used to taking things. And I think China is a very salient example of something that you can get burned if you're taking it from right. the U.S. of of an example of you know. If something happened in the U.S. where they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna shut down Google and take it over," you, you'd immediately you'd, people would be crazy, It'd be right? Absolutely insane. Um, and so, just the the difference between, well, I mean, look at two thousand eight too. Though. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well, 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 we don't want to get back. Yeah, we don't want to go back that far. Oh, jeez. Okay. Uh, oh man, we're gonna. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but I mean, I guess a good a good analogy to to explain to put a little more meat on the bones of what I what I mean is if you want to understand, if you want to thoroughly understand um, the literature of a country. So let's say you, you want to thoroughly understand, um, you, you want to thoroughly understand French literature. You would be best served by learning French and reading it in the native tongue because the translation over to English is going to lose a lot, especially if there's, you know, you know, in, innuendos and plays on words that you you would not yeah. have seen um, in in the translation. So the same thing holds here. If you're looking to invest and understand the business world and cycle and business value in China, you're better served by understanding how the Chinese government looks at that and how Chinese businesses look at that, rather than bringing your own approach to the table there. Right, and you do want to temper the two, obviously, but. 
I think you're you're best served by understanding the the native tongue, so to speak. And here's a here's a bit of a, a devil's advocate kind of question. Here is, do you think it's worth it for the average investor or or the the non-average investor <laughs> to spend the time to really dig into, like you're saying, into the Chinese culture, into you know whatever the factors are that that you think are necessary for long-term investing over there because i think i think i don't know i think the answer is yes but probably not for everyone i'd be interested to hear what your thoughts on that is well i think um again realizing i have my own biases um <laughs> i think that don't we all yeah exactly it's just important that you recognize them um i think that the best way to go for most people and most investors if you don't really have the time to sit down and like you said, immerse yourself in the culture and, and understand how how the Chinese government has acted in the past, how they might act in the future, what the politic, the political landscape looks like. Um, if you're if you don't have the time or you know resources to understand that and put put effort into it, what I would do is just diversify your exposure to that part of the world. So buy some sort of ETF. Um, there's even leveraged ETFs from direction out there. There are unleveraged, lots of unleveraged emerging market ETFs, Chinese ETFs. Um, and th there's a growing number of indexes um, for, or indices, I guess, for the, uh, the, the Chinese market. FTSE's got some. Um, so there's, there's a lot of options as far as a basket of stocks, which sure. is going to obviously reduce a little bit of that that uh, regulation risk if you can get across multiple industri industries instead of just focusing on individual stocks. Um, that's going to diversify a little bit of the regulation risk away. So that is that would be my approach for the average investor. Now, if you have some sort of, you know, idiosyncratic, like, I guess, expertise um, that you studied abroad in China for 10 years, then you might be able to to get more into the individual stocks. But yeah, for for the normal everyday investor, I would I would say an ETF is a good way to get exposure to that space without getting without having to burden yourself with becoming fluent in the, the Chinese uh, business and political landscape. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I am the more risk heavy of the two of us and i don't even have any chinese stocks so, <laughs> so just no, Alibaba or no i don't i well I, I i used to invest a lot in uh, korean and japanese stocks actually really um and korea taiwan and japan and those do very well but you know it's a different growth opportunity at this point especially in different right. industries i mean tech is absolutely everything in in korea and taiwan it, it's huge mm -hmm. it's absolutely huge I mean, and manufacturing um and tech for, manufacturing and tech, yeah it's really <laughs> tech manufacturing yeah and and japan as well but in china it's interesting because there's it's it's pretty much the same the same or similar opportunity of investing in the u.s in like the 60s and 70s kind of thing it's mm. similar it's, it seems to be that kind of trend which is just crazy to think about do you think it's do you think it's worth pursuing then individual stocks or, and and again is my premise wrong do you not need to not need to understand thoroughly the the landscape over there can you can you bring a purely western investment philosophy to that to pick 
you know, individual winners and losers. No, I think that's an easy way to lose money if you're bringing the Western uh, yeah. investment philosophy. I think you're, I think you're spot on, um, which makes it tough because I think that it is very likely that you could see incredible gains by picking individual companies, but the risk is just so high. It, it's yeah, it's 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 a completely. It's a completely different risk profile compared to picking stocks in the United States at pretty much any time period. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that's so it, it's 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 totally different. The gains are probably there. I mean, if if China's GDP does surpass the United States by 2026, 2030, yeah, we're going to see insane stock gains between now and then. Right. That's just guaranteed. But which ones? That's a real dangerous game. Right. Which is why it might be better to, to go ahead yeah. and just go with the top 50 or the top 100 of some index which uh, i'm surprised there isn't a or uh, there probably is um but i would be surprised if there wasn't some hedge fund or some specific fund that is going after individual stocks and trying to to do that like exclusively like i, I would imagine that there's some western fund that's that's trying to do that so if you can uh, invest in them if you're a if you're a high net worth and you can uh, get in them. That, that'd probably right. That'd probably be what I would do. Be doing. Yeah, that would that would probably make the uh, make the ro- the most the most sense because again, you're farming out the expertise to someone else. You can outsource it. Obviously, you're gonna pay for it, but it might be well worth it because I think the with all of the uh, risks at the at the the very micro level that we see, I think there is almost no risk. Again, this is okay. Very little risk. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I think there's very little risk to the statement that the Chinese economy is going to be larger than the U.S. economy. Interesting. I I really am very um, I am very impressed after doing some some research into the Chinese economy and where they're headed. I'm thoroughly impressed with how efficient they are at at building their economy, and and how. Uh, dedicated solely to that goal they have been and i look at you know i look at the us and and i and i think okay well this is uh, obviously an amazing story i'm not discounting that at all i mean the us the us and its growth and it's it being a, a world superpower an amazing story but um the the unity with which china now, albeit maybe forced unity with which China is pursuing that goal of being the number one economy in the world, it's going to be very difficult to stop that just purely because we have a different free market scenario, right? We are not going to, the US is not going to be forcing unity in, in the pursuit of you know economic success. That's just not how we work as Americans. So I, I think maybe, maybe I would be, I would love to be proven wrong because I guess that would be a, a further, um, I guess, battle of the the philosophies whether free, uh, free markets and free will really drive innovation and value higher than a than a planned efficient market. Um, that would be a that would be something I'd, I'd love to be proven wrong on. But I think within the decade, I. I believe china is going to be the, the larger of the two economies so interesting that's yeah. it's kind of interesting though because you have the the micro level risk but at the macro level it seems to me very certain that that china will will be the number one economy so like you said it's maybe you take that maybe you take that broader base bet but there probably will be uh, 
large winners and losers on the on the individual stock basis. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's a fair point because it, there is, I mean, just the the basis, the philosophical basis of culture in the U.S. is so individualistic, right. whereas you know in China it's it's so communal. Um, that that yeah, exactly what you're saying. You know that that kind of group goal is much easier to aim at when you have a communalistic society rather right. than individualistic. So yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. So with the, um, with the, you know, kind of political risk and the regulatory risk in China, doesn't seem like even you as a risk taker would be, would be buying individual stocks. <laughs> yeah. I, I would rather, uh, I'd rather be buying individual cryptos than individual Chinese. Stocks oh, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I guess that that's fair. I, I, so, as far as a portfolio, what would you what would you be doing to kind of prepare for what seems to be maybe an inevitability that that the Chinese economy is going to be bigger than the U.S. And does that matter when it comes to your portfolio? Sure, that's a good question. I think right off the bat, I will say that w- one of my strategies currently is to be looking into the ancillary effects of Chinese growth. Mm. I think that the more China grows, sure, you're going to have huge winners in China, but where you can actually have less, a little bit less um, upside possibility, but also definitely less risk is by investing in companies that are in the area. So Japanese companies, Korean companies, um, I think are great investments because if you have an absolutely exploding economy in China, there's going to be more demand for consumer products, luxury products, software, everything. There's going to be more demand for everything True. as wealth yeah. increases in the area. And as China increases its ability to you know, be this, this kind of regional powerhouse, as it has been, uh, you're going to see, a, I think, more and more trade between China and its neighbors and more and more opportunities for the neighbors to be making a lot of money. Uh, Japan you know, specifically, absolutely incredible story as well, um, made, you know, an enormous amount of money by creating the best electronics in the world and then selling to the United States. They're just going to be able to also sell more and more and more to China sure. as more and more people in China, um, as wealth increases, I think, investing in the Korean stocks and the Japanese stocks. That's that's actually a part of my strategy for for China growth. So the individual stock side comes in for me um, for those regional stocks that have less political risk. And then, like you said, an ETF for, for China as well. Right. Yeah. And and then there's I, I, I agree. I think there's, you know, like it, like we mentioned earlier, some large cap ETFs you could go after as far as Chinese um, indexed you know, funds. Um, that would be a, a smart move and a, and a good play. Do you think um, you mentioned the the china increasing its trade with its neighbors do you think they'll as they grow do you think they will play nice enough to put it in a elementary way (laughs) yeah (laughs) you think they'll play nice in the sandbox over there i mean (laughs) (laughs) i mean i think it's interesting because i think they'll in in one way or another they're gonna have to um because the alternative is you know rapidly deteriorating relationships it, the the problem is is it's it's kind of the the apocalypse conundrum where you could uh, you right. could short sell the whole market <laughs> and make an enormous amount of money and then just not be able to withdraw it or not be able to do anything with it right uh, as as World War Three starts right so hopefully that doesn't happen uh, hopefully you know again kind of the optimistic long run out uh, outlook 
Uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully they do start playing nicer with with neighbors. Um, and I, I I think they probably will. I you know don't know for sure. That's speculation. But I I think that as time goes on, I think we've had probably in the last you know two three even five years, we've kind of had just just funky relations with China in the region and in the United States um, to China. And, you know, I think part of that is is some of the some of the things that China has done, you know, like we talked about human rights violations, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. some of their actions to aggravate their neighbors, etc. But I'm hopeful that as time moves on, that that there will be more cooperation, there will be um more trade especially in that regional area okay yeah and actually on that note it 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 just crossed my mind here there china is doing some interesting things in um, africa and latin america that's a really good point and and they are increasing the amount of financing that they send that way now some of it is a little nefarious that the what was it the south african uh, like broadcast center found that yeah. they, were, they, they got financed by china and then they found that they were bugged Yep. So, yep. <laughs> I mean, that's not that's not ideal. But um, in those emerging markets, I mean, Africa especially is, I I I believe Africa is probably one of the the most untapped uh, and underreported stories of of this century. Um, they're very they're they're poised for a lot of growth, um, and China may play a, a very large part in that, and may become good good trading partners or just financing partners as well for for um, Africa so exposure to Africa African based uh, companies and stocks is a little bit hard to come by um, there's no real good exchange if, correct me if I'm wrong I, I don't think there's any real centralized exchange in Africa yeah, yeah. Um, but so so that may that may be something to look at as far as trade um, which again, you were mentioning trade over in in the uh, in the Pacific, but they're going to be obviously global superpower. They are a global superpower and will continue to be so. So things like shipping, anything that's uh, that supports global trade, that that would include airlines as well. But shipping being the main one, um, that's also probably a, a good um, a good kind of investment in a more or a, a more of a de-risked profile compared to investing directly in Chinese uh, individual companies as well. Yeah, that's a really, really good point because I, I totally agree. I think in the, the long, long run, um, <laughs> too long, run, yeah, too, the doubly long run, uh, <laughs> India and Africa are the, the biggest opportunity for growth and gains um, in the world. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's going to take longer than than people think. But I think that is the place. Uh, those the, those are the places, as it were. <laughs> right. Yeah. Both. Um, yeah. And I think you're right. I think China is going to have a big hand in that. Uh, they know how to. They know how to how to finance debt, like they do to us. They, you know, they definitely they, do. They're the experts. <laughs> they definitely so, do. And yeah. Brazil is a huge. Uh, a couple of years ago, Brazil was a huge, huge trading partner for uh, for um, raw materials with China, supporting China's manufacturing and industrial. Um, growth as well so that's another country to keep an eye on as well um, looking at more raw materials but as they grow i mean they're they're going to have huge problems just with internal problems just with real estate 
and growing the number of houses they're going to need. So that's the, uh, building the number of houses. I guess you can't grow a house, can you? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a tree house. A tree house. Yeah, you could. Uh, but building building the number of houses. So you know that that's another another thing to keep in mind. I think there's a lot of tertiary downstream effects of a burgeoning economy that we might not initially think of, whether that's trade and therefore shipping or whether that's raw materials because they just need to grow infrastructure, both business and you know transportation infrastructure, but just human infrastructure for, for living as well. Um, so I think there's definitely opportunities uh, kind of from a downstream perspective in China. But it is it is something to keep an keep an eye on and and balance the the risk that you're taking there. You don't obviously you don't want to be buying anything that you don't understand, which could easily be the case with China because you might look at it and go, oh, I understand the fundamentals on paper, uh, but the the uh, inherent regulation and political risk and I guess you could even dub it cultural risk over there. Um, I didn't learn that one in my textbook. <laughs> um, the, even the cultural risk, you know, th- that may come around to to haunt you. Yeah, that's a good point. I, it's yeah, none of the, as always, none of this is financial advice. None of that. Yeah. Obviously, <laughs> talk to your financial advisor. Um, but I think that's a good point. Of in general, you don't want to invest in things that you don't know what's going on. And I think China is probably one of the more opaque. Um, places to invest, but it's tough because it's it's almost a situation where there is so much opportunity, but it is such a such a black box in some situations of what's yeah. going to happen. Right, that it's it's a bit of a conundrum, I think, for a lot of people because they hear, oh, everyone's investing in China, buy these stocks, and they really don't understand it, or maybe they do a little bit and they go in and maybe they see really good returns, and or maybe they don't, but there is that 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 paradox of, you know, it, it is very likely ground for extremely, you know, solid returns, solid growth as a country, but it's not as easy um, as investing in the United States or Europe or most of the other Asian countries as well. Right. Yeah. Somewhere where you understand the, how the system's intending to be run. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, there's definitely a, an understanding gap, I guess, that U.S. investors might want to realize when they're going going and looking at the Chinese stock market. So, yeah, yeah I think that about does it for us here uh, today on the, this episode of the, the Long Run Show. Obviously, hit that uh, subscribe button, and if you want to drop us a review, that'd be awesome. Five stars really help us out. Yeah. Um, if you want to, just tune into the next episode and write a review after that one because it's going to be even better so we will see you <laughs> next week on the uh, on the long run show this is austin wilson and he is michael o'connor and we have had a great time all right see you next time bye-bye did you know nearly all stock price changes of 10 percent or more result from a single news headline that's right News headlines have a unique ability to drive stock prices up or down. These news catalysts create trading opportunities every day. All you need is a little help to reach out and take them. And if you're looking to grow your portfolio, it doesn't matter if your investment budget is small or big. An easy-to-read stream of news headlines will increase your opportunities to profit from price changes in the stock market consolidate a knowledge-based investment strategy, and grow your portfolio. 
All you need is Benzinga Pro and its powerful news alerts, price tracking, and portfolio monitoring to make a positive change in your trading performance. We've already helped thousands of retail traders across the world, and they could not be happier. Increase your market knowledge, boost your exposure to big movers, and make informed trades before major price changes. The opportunities are all around you. Subscribe now, and we'll skyrocket your portfolio today.